Welcome to the R2RB podcast series where we interview local musicians and get to know them on a more personal basis. I'm Deb Lamato, your host for R2RB podcast series. This podcast is about the local musician's journey, their influences, their creative process, and so much more. We'll also highlight their music and let you know where they will be playing their next gig. So sit back, relax, and enjoy R2RB podcast series. Today I have with me Gretchen Emery and Kenny Wendell, and thank you so much for being here with me. I appreciate you both taking the time out of your day and talking about Gretchen Emery Band. How are you both? We're well, well thank you. We're good. Thank you for asking us to spend some time with you. Oh, yeah. I, it's, it's my pleasure. So on your website, it says the Gretchen Emery Band, one small town girl with a big voice, one failed government experiment from North Philly flailing away on <laughs> guitar and two unsuspecting dudes on bass and drums holding it all together. Pretty much sums up who you are. That's yeah, it. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah, that's the story. That mm-hmm. is. I, I liked it. You know, when I do my research for the interview and I was looking at different articles and I just happened, <clears throat> I've been on your website many times. I was like, that's it. That's I think that's who they are. And so how did you two first meet? Oh, yikes. All right. Well, you want to tell it or yeah, shall I? Um, I'll, you tell it first, then I'll tell what actually happened. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, I was uh, working for a company and uh, transferred to Delaware. And- I had been in the music uh, scene in Philadelphia for many years, and uh, I was sort of uh, kicking around here and there looking for people to play with, and uh, I was playing one night with a a fellow named Kenny Jones, who's since passed away, phenomenal musician, Um, and we miss him terribly, but uh, in between uh, songs, uh, a fellow came up to me and said, you know, I have this band and uh, our guitar player just left. And uh, would you be interested in coming over? And I was looking for people to play. with. I say, sure, I'll, you know, I'll come over and play and we'll see how it goes. Anyway, uh, as I went to Gretchen's house, uh, I had, it was the first time I met Gretchen, you know, so she had these uh, two other musicians and there she was standing over in the corner with a microphone and this little tiny amplifier kind of singing. And she had this like really long fire engine red hair. But what really, really uh, struck me was her, her voice. There was, even though you really couldn't hear her, it wasn't like she's presenting today, you know, uh, she's very developed since then, but uh, there was a uh, quality to her singing that, attracted my attention. I wasn't really interested in the band per se. Uh, wasn't really my, quite my cup of tea, but you know, they were, they were all having a good time. And when, uh, when we finished, I was taking my guitar and my amp out to the car and Gretchen came out to say, thanks for coming over. And I said, look, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to step on your, your friendships, you know, or whatever you got going here. Uh, but if you're ever interested in doing something with a bit more focus, give me a call. Because uh, I was used to a very, very different kind of, uh, what, what would I call it, uh, atmosphere okay. in music. And when you came into a band, uh, it, it was the bands I was used to working with, both recording with and working with. It was very tightly run about eight or nine months, something like that, passed by. And I ran into Gretchen in the Acme, so like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. She was, uh, she had since given birth to her first child, Sam, her son. And I, I forget what I was doing there, probably knowing me buying coffee. Um, <laughs> I needed diapers. He needed coffee. Needed coffee. <laughs> yeah. And so. we bumped into each other and said, hey, how you doing? What's going on? And I had recent, I had just, uh, hooked up with a bass player at that point and we were just kicking around some stuff and uh she said well i'm not really doing anything right now and i said well why don't we try to put something together and uh, so i've got this bass player and she knew a drummer uh that she really liked and uh the four of us got together and we put together a band called red house okay. and that band went on to to do lots of interesting things uh we played festivals 
we had a, a, a contract with Warm Daddies in Philly, the original Warm Daddies. Wow. Uh, and uh, we weren't, we were more like a blues rock band. We were covering, we were doing a lot of covers. In fact, that's all we did, I think. And uh, yeah. in that period of time is when Gretchen and I wrote our first song. Oh, wow. Uh, which is on our EP. It's called Addie. And uh, yeah. I like yeah. that song. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, good. We get that response a fair bit. So it's good to see the consistency. Thank you. <laughs> but we hadn't gotten to a point, you know, musically where we were ready to do that sort of nuanced music um, in that particular band. I mean, right. that band was half stack marshals turn up and play government mule. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's how we met, and we've been working together ever since. So we figured somewhere around twenty-five years now. Yeah, that had wow. to be. Um, well, Sam was born in ninety-seven. It was it was before I had Sam, so that there might may have been a wider gap between the audition and when I had the baby. You know, it, it was. Yeah. But but regardless, it was. 95, 96, 97 in there that we met and started playing together. Yeah, so and, we've been through uh, various uh, incarnations of <clears throat> of bands together. And uh, the last band we had, uh, we worked a lot. We were very involved with the blues community. And when that band came to its end, I mean, everybody just got, got kind of burned out because we right. were very busy. Um Anyway, uh, I said to Gretchen, the next time we do a band, mm -hmm. it's going to be the Gretchen Emery band. It's no longer going to be Gretchen Emery and Dirty Boots, Gretchen Emery and Red and, House, whatever. Gretchen uh, Emery band, period. Yeah. yeah. And, and there, are, nice. there were some reasons for that, because I used to say to the members of the band, you know, she's the star. Your job is to support her. Absolutely. Your job is not to see, my job is not to show everybody how great a guitar solo I can play. My job is to support her. And if that means songs where there's no lead guitar solos, then so be it. And you guys need to just basically shut up and play. All right. <laughs> you know, and, and no one had ever said that to me before. No one ever presented that perspective to me before Kenny. And, and that was really, I was like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't, I'm fine over here in the corner. Yeah, I created a monster. He, oh, <laughs> totally. Well, I guess, I guess we'll get into that. But you did leave one thing out of that, that initial meeting. Oh, the car? I, yeah, the car. <laughs> I mean, I'll accept your version. That was a pretty good. Was you, that good? You pretty much captured. Yeah, he captured that version. But, um. But one one small detail is that uh, Kenny, the, the audition was at my house and I suddenly needed to run an errand just, you know, shortly before the audition. Of course. Of course. And as I'm coming back to my house, I'm waiting at the traffic light to turn into the neighborhood. And there's this car in front of me <laughs> and it is the most hideous, <laughs> ugly, green color. It was beautiful. I had ever seen in my life. And I thought. Oh, God, tell me this car is not going to my house. Sure enough, of course, of course. you can imagine what happened next. Of course, <laughs> it did. It was Kenny. And, um, you know, the rest is history, oh, as God. they say. But it was just it was really just sort of funny. And then to eat my words, the ironic part was, um, you know, after Kenny and I, after that audition and, you know, we met, we started playing, we became friends and my my husband, Mike, and I that um, needed a car at some <laughs> point and ended up borrowing that ugly green car. And I was never more grateful for that ugly car <laughs> in my life. Was it a classic, Kenny? Was it a classic? No, it was. Uh, <laughs> but it was a car that I really liked. It was just a Volkswagen Golf. But uh, oh, my God, you know, I, I'm in the automotive <laughs> business. Oh, OK. And, what I do for a living is I restore vintage automobiles. Do you really? Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, really cool. Yeah, really I've been cool. doing it for a long time. Wow. Now, when I first came to Delaware, I had been recruited by uh, a, a corporation, DuPont, 
to write training. And I did that for a couple of years and then went into R&D. And I, was, I left because I was just tired of flying around the country. Anyway, I've, uh, I took that car and uh, completely straightened it and painted it and polished it. I mean, it was a beautiful car. Wow. Were you always into music? Was music always in your life from a young age? Yeah. Yeah, it was inevitable and virtually required. You know, it wasn't it wasn't um, demanded or or shoved down my throat, but it was it was a part of our family Mm. uh, growing up in a big way. Uh, I'm the youngest of four. My mother had a beautiful soprano voice. She grew up outside of Reading, PA, and was sort of a, 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 a star in her little town, um, you know, would sing as a child, would wow. sing at their little, you know, town events and so forth. And she just had this beautiful, beautiful voice. And some of my earliest memories are of her Those singing and sitting down at the piano to take a break from cleaning the house. You know, she would dust the piano and then sit down at it and play Shirley Temple songs and sing. And, oh my gosh. and, and, and my dad was, um, he played clarinet. Really? But he wasn't a musician. You know what I mean? Okay. Like he learned to play the clarinet. He did play the clarinet. He loved right. music, appreciated right. music. And my sister sang and played the piano. My brother played cornet and guitar and my other brother played piano and sax and became a music major and made a life out of music and uh in one way shape or another and uh then there was me oh and and my uncle my my dad's brother was uh, an organist and a piano teacher and choir director all those things so it was it was there like it was it was just, it was just always there. So I was. And, and what was the turning point then that you knew that you wanted music in your life more than just going to church and singing in the choir? Uh, I don't know that there was per se a turning point as a, as a young person. I think when I, I did go to church and sing and then play in the band in high school. And when I was in the band in high school, I also auditioned for the pom-pom squad and I got into the, the pom-pom squad at Dover High. <laughs> oh I my did goodness. become a captain my senior year. But my point in bringing that up is that was that was performance. You know, there's an Absolutely. element of performance there. So I had some kind of desire to do that. Right. Right. You know, and uh, so I think it was just there. But, you know, I'm... Later on, after Kenny and I had a band together, we had played a winter blues festival down in Cumberland, Maryland, mm-hmm. and opened for uh, Sam Cockrell, who was a blues man out of Chicago. And I remember saying to Kenny after that performance, now, mind you, we'd had bands and performances, and right. I was involved in music, you know, along the way. Um, to any greater or lesser extent. But so that had to be uh, around 98, 99, somewhere in there. I remember saying to Kenny after that performance, I felt like I was doing what I was made to do. It just, it, that was the moment I think that I had some awareness that this just feels right. Just seems to be what I, what I love in my heart. That's where I feel the most me when I'm performing. It's, it's, so, that, it's that aha moment, the aha moment. That aha. Yeah, that aha. And so it had always been, you know, part of my life. I have a, I'm a nurse. I'm a registered nurse. So I've had a career as a nurse. That's how we keep the lights on. I like to eat. Uh, you there know, is that. Pay the bills, <laughs> health insurance, you know. Roof I'm, over your head. I'm, I'm, roof over my head. Yeah. And I'm grateful for it. It's, it's brought me a lot of things in my life and brought us a lot of things musically, um, too, in terms of, um, that's where Addie came from. That's where Addie came, you know, inspiration for our songs. If love were enough came from inspiration from my nursing career. Um, my best friend, Lisa, currently is sort of my 
right-hand person that a lot of shows and she's been there from the beginning and I wouldn't have known her without my nursing career. So it's all sort of it all been wrapped up in there together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Kenny was music. Obviously music's been in your blood. Was it, did you have an <laughs> aha moment knowing that you were going to make this also a career? Yeah. Uh, an aha moment. Well, I have to go back and give you a little background. Uh, when I, I'm from North Philly, not Northeast. Okay. North. Yep. North Philly. And Got I, it. I, I, I clarify that because anybody who knows Philly knows the difference. Yes. I had a very conflicted childhood. So before I became a guest of the state for two years <laughs> at the age of 14. I know how to pick them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was... Uh, you know, in Philly, when at, at, at that period of time, and still to some, ex- I guess to some extent today, there was the corner, hanging on the corner, and the corner was serious business. So, anyway, I got to know a guy in that period of time who was a drummer, and uh, after I got out of my uh, invitation by the state to stay with them for two years. <laughs> uh, I was just playing. I had developed a somewhat of an interesting guitar, and my father used to sit around and play cowboy chords and uh, sing cowboy songs. Why I don't know. He was he was uh, he was an interesting guy. But anyway, pawn shop in North Philly, Front Street Sales, and I I was going in there and looking up at the guitars they had a lot of guitars i ran into this fellow that i knew on the corner said hey how, how you doing jack hey, kenny where you been I, i've been away for a while and uh he had no place to practice so i said look i'm staying at my father's house why don't you bring your drums over now i wasn't playing yet i knew like two chords <laughs> and uh i said come on over and you can go down the basement you can play down there because he was in an apartment he couldn't play he was on the second floor with his wife he said to me i was just trying to strum along with a beat he was putting down he said you know you've got really good sense of timing you know maybe you should consider learning how to play that thing and that was kind of an aha moment for me and i basically to make a long story short i quit my job bought a guitar (laughs) and i played 15 hours a day until wow. I learned how to, and within a year of that, I was on the road with a band. With that, with a band we put together, and we worked uh, five to six nights a week, six sets a night. It was a hard, hard life. It was yeah. a hard life. Absolutely. The band basically, like a lot of bands back then, self-destructed through uh, drugs and booze, Absolutely. myself included. You know, I got myself into a real, real serious drug problem. And I got sober after that. I stayed focused in music and I wanted it badly. What I wanted, I think, looking back was not fame and fortune. That never really, I'm not a performer per se. What I wanted was um, the transcendence mm-hmm. that comes with playing. Yep. I, I don't think I could have said it back then. I couldn't have right. put it that way. So, I mean, Gretchen will tell you, I'm just as if we were still, if we were playing through big, tall amps like we used to, I'd be just as happy standing behind the amps. Okay. I am not a showman. That being said, that interaction with that drummer, a guy named Jack Mock, really opened my eyes up to the possibility uh, and being in that band of doing this as my life's calling. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, you know, I mean, I, I was in several bands in Philly after that band. You know, I just got more and more and more involved, deeper, studying guitar, playing a lot, trying to find my voice with guitar, because that's what I would tell any young guitar player. Find your voice. Don't try to be. It's okay to learn from the masters, but don't try to be them. Right. Exactly. Who influenced you in your in your music? That would be Muddy Waters, who I met before he passed. B.B. King, obviously, Eric Clapton, who was a gateway for a lot of us. Most of us have gone through Eric Clapton, whether you know it or not. Okay. <laughs> right. And uh, so those, and there was always Jeff Beck, who was like, I still insist that Jeff Beck was <laughs> dropped off at Roswell in 1947. <laughs> the man was an alien. <laughs> he was the most innovative guitar player I've ever heard. And um, oh. he inspired me. What Jeff Beck inspired in me was not to try to play like him, because I just don't have that kind of talent. Um, Jeff Beck was a, 
you know, a once in a generation phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Say maybe that again. a once in yeah. maybe a once in multiple generations. But in any case, what he inspired in me was you don't have to do it like everybody else does it. You can find your own voice. And some of the compliments have been paid to me over the years. One of the highest, there were two, was I was working with a uh, musician in Philadelphia who's since passed away, Alan Mann. And his manager came up to me after a rehearsal. He said, you know, you're really, you really play in a unique way. You're, you're, Uncon- you're not conventional at all. And I thought, oh, at that time, I was very insecure. And I thought, oh, boy. And I would look, look back at that as saying I had started to find my voice. And one time I was playing in St. Louis and uh, playing behind an old blues man. And it was an incredible experience. Tommy Bankhead, he's passed away now. My friend Steve Waldman, who's very, very well known in the St. Louis community, He's played with Ike and Tina. And, wow. and, uh, I mean, who hasn't he played with? Johnny Johnson, he toured with Johnny. In fact, he invited me. I flew out to St. Louis to play with him at a tribute for Johnny Johnson after he passed away. Wow. And his wife was there, all kinds of famous people and everything. But Tommy Bankhead couldn't even stand up anymore. He had to sit down. And he has his old beat-up guitar. He could hardly play. And anyway, with the band, we're, we had Albert King's old band. <laughs> which was an honor to play with them. I bet. And we're up on stage and we're we're just, you know, laying it out. And Steve nods to me to take a little solo there. And I didn't. Tommy turned around and looked at me and said, I felt that, son. And that was, I, I was going to, I thought I was going to cry. That's it. That is it. it. There's your mm-hmm. aha. And and you just know it, right? You just, you knew at that moment that was, you could feel that it. What you I, feel it. Yeah, the connection. There was a transcendence in that. There you go. And, you know, interestingly, at that particular show, it was at a a club in St. Louis that was very well known for blues and pictures of everybody up on the wall, et cetera, Mike and Mins. And uh, there was, you look down the bar that night because of Tommy Bankhead, 200 years of blues tradition sitting at that bar. Some of the heaviest hitters in St. Louis. And nobody had a let me show you what I can do attitude. They were there for the music. Right. They were there for the blues. That's it. And I, you know, I get off on my high horse about the blues. Uh, When I play every day, that's basically all I do, except for songwriting. Um, Just just, just that aha moment for the both of you. Um, Mm -hmm. And you just mentioned uh, songwriting. You both collaborate together? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Kenny mostly comes up with a with a melodic idea, chord structure, and he'll present it to me and say, "What do you think?" And uh, then I'll I'll um, develop some lyrics around that, or or sometimes I have uh, lyrics and a and a melody in my head, and I'll bring that to him. Most of the time, he's he's bringing an idea to me. I have countless voice memos on my phone of <laughs> new idea by Kenny Kenny's new idea Kenny Kenny new riff more material than I can work on in in a week but but that's good it's oh. it's I'm grateful uh to have <laughs> all this this you know wealth of uh it's like a like a treasure chest to well, to pull out of and then sometimes I have an old song that never really went anywhere that, oh. and a couple of those ended up on this EP that we reworked and, and redeveloped. I want to add a little, oh a little change to that. Oh dear. Basically <laughs> what I do is I come up with a, a groove or a pocket. Gretchen is the one who brings the melody to it. Not necessarily me. Every now and then I'll suggest a melodic note structure, but that's rare. Okay. Okay. And she comes from a, the stuff that she puts on a chord progression is something I would have never thought of. And that's the exciting part about it. I'll give you a quick example here. Okay. So I came to her with. You want me to sing now? Yeah. I just want you to listen to (laughs) Took a little bit of time. Just what it was that you did to me. Took a little bit of 
So my point is, I would have never come up with that. Now it's on our new. That's, new, that's a new one that but, we're working on. I, that'll be on the new album. I, and so I was going to ask about the new album that you're working on. And so it's all original material yep. put together yeah. with yep. you. And I yep. can't wait. Okay. Oh, <laughs> and I, and I, 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 we do not have a date because it's just one of those things that, you know, when it's done, it's done. And, uh, I don't like to rush it. I don't want the music to feel rushed. I don't want that to come across in the recording. It just, I want it to be great. And Kenny and I, you know, we had done a fair amount of recording uh, before this EP release in July. However, we just felt like we weren't getting the product that we wanted. We just felt like we weren't. We we weren't really reaching, <laughs> achieving what was in our head. Yeah, I have uh, a question because you're talking about recording um, and just coming out of left field on this because you had mentioned about recording back when and recording now. Do you feel that recording when you originally started in a studio with the equipment you had coming forward to being digital, looking at it and bringing it in a different way into the studio, has that affected it at all? I don't think in in that way okay uh that the change in technology or or anything has affected it what has affected it was when we were tired of spending our money and not really you know achieving what we wanted we called um i called a friend of kenny's who he had introduced me two years ago um peter humphreys pete humphreys is a mastering uh, professional who, genius. genius guru <laughs> who worked at Sigma Sound uh, in Philly for years. Wow! And I called Pete. And said, Pete, like you know, do you know any? Do you know any good studios? I we're just not. I'm just not getting what we want. And and you know, no, it wasn't that there was anything wrong with the studios or the equipment or the recording or, you know, anything that we had used in the past, we just didn't have that right mix of elements. Peter said, well, I know a guy, I don't know if you'll be a good fit, but you can call him. And that was Derek Chafin, who's the producer on the album that you heard. And we had the, the right fit and he's sort of got us. And the difference is that Derek is a producer. Mm-hmm. We had not had a producer okay. before. We had had technicians, great people trying to do a really good job for us. And Derek really forces us to stretch and grow and develop and and craft. So he'll say, well, you need to write a chorus for that. And I'll say, oh, no, the, the course is right here. He's like, nah, that's really a pre-course. You need to go write a course. So he's taught us. He's wow. He's been a great mentor and has become a friend. But the element of having someone who's producing your music rather than recording, rather than engineering. only engineering, engineering it, he's, that's, that's been the difference. So now when we're songwriting, we're also taking these, these lessons that we've been trying to pick up from Derek. It really, to me, it's, it's fun. It's more fun than it ever was because it's, it's kind of like a puzzle. And in fact, will Kenny and I will, uh, butt heads (laughs) occasionally. I was going to ask that question. And I'll say, I'll say, okay, well, now from here, then we'll go to this part of the song. And I'll be like, no, 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 no. Derek would say no, no, <laughs> we can't go there yet because it has to go to the chorus. And then then we get into a linguistic problem yeah. of vocabulary and yeah. well, what's the chorus and the blah, blah, blah. And he's from North Philly <laughs> and I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> say no more. <laughs> And one, and one, I'm I'm a redhead from Dover, and I win (laughs) almost every time. Every time. (laughs) 
But I think it's important, like you said, to have the producer slash mentor, because one of the questions I asked on my my podcast to other women entrepreneurs, did you have a mentor in the beginning? Did you have somebody that you could, you know, reach out to? So maybe it's been later in your career that you have found, you know, somebody that you that absolutely fits that. So kudos to you both. And then I, well, and you did answer, you did answer my question about, you know, do you ever get to a point um, that you're like, just have to walk away from each other and take a break because you're just not seeing eye to eye? Often, frequently. I, I want to I want to say something about the mentor, though, it's, because early on when I moved to Wilmington, Newark area in my early 20s. And I was getting into the music scene here. I met a woman named Mary Archer. Mm. Do you know Mary? I do. So she's a singer songwriter. Really, she was the the first person in this area who really got me connected in the music community here. Uh, we just saw her last Saturday, uh-huh. and she's still still singing, playing, writing. Um, Peter Humphreys, the mastering guru, right. was also there, you know, when we had this um, party and jam and he he really loved her stuff. So she, in one way, was, she didn't try to mentor me or tell me anything per se, but she was a, what would, a, a model, you know, a, a, a great role model. And, and she's, become a friend. And um, we had been out of touch for uh, a while, but we're sort of back in touch again. And and um, she was there sort of when I was starting to cultivate this as a young person. I had a voice teacher after I hurt my voice on a on a gig. No. And so she, be- um, Kathy Kamet, phenomenal voice teacher. There is a difference between a voice teacher and a voice coach. Okay. I've learned from her and she is a voice teacher and a vocologist. So there, there's so much to know. Yeah. There's so much to know. I did study with Debbie Chamberlain in uh, New Jersey too, for a period of time uh, before, before I got in touch with Kathy and there there was a a gap, a, a long, long gap in between the two. Um, teachers. So, you know, I had tried to study voice, develop my voice, um, take good care of it. I got into trouble and, and, and I hurt myself and that, and got into uh, training with Kathy. So, so she was, she was a mentor. And I think it's just so important for whatever field you're in, whatever career you're in, music industry, to have a mentor, to have that support that you can reach out to um, in whatever capacity that person might be. Yeah. And my sister, my my uh, she's the oldest um, of us uh, siblings. She's just been a phenomenal promoter supporter mainstay you know she's she's always there she's uh always ready to to support our music she lives in manhattan she and her husband and they even came down to delaware when we had our cd release party and uh you know and she says you know i've I've been enjoying your music for a long long time It's good, you know, an infant in the crib. (laughs) And it takes a village, you know, it it takes a village of supporters and mentors and family and friends. And uh, Mm -hmm. that is awesome that you have a a great village. Absolutely. And I looked at my mom, you know, her her beautiful voice and and my dad's sort of persistence and drive. And I'm I'm grateful for, for all of that for everyone. Let me ask you about the rest of your band members. Who are the dudes in the band? Dudes. Well, there's what? Tim Elliott on drums, very good friend of ours, uh, and uh, Randy Waters on bass, who we're so fortunate for both of them to have them contribute their time and their efforts. With We've been with Randy. He's he's worked with us now for about three years. And, and, and I just want to add about Randy. I've known Randy since before I knew Kenny, oh, wow. uh, when I was, when Mike and I were married, Mike was in a, a really well-known band in this area called Days Alone. And Randy was in a different band and both of Days Alone and the band Randy was in would sort of all hang out together. So we met ages ago. He's a phenomenal bass player. So we've known each other for a long, long time. And Kenny and I happened to be out in Wilmington and we 
saw Randy from literally across the bar and I'm yelling, I need a bass player. I need a bass player. And he, he did one of these, you know, hand up to the ear, call, call me, call me, call yeah. me. And the rest is history. So that was yeah, what, two or three years ago. Randy's and both of them. Great. And they're both great. They both bring different um, sensibilities to it. And uh, with Tim Elliott, it's a, uh, very precision or he's a machinist by trade and he you know he he brings that discipline Mm -hmm. and we we call him the ice man (laughs) (laughs) he never gets rattled never and randy is just the most soulful player god i love his feel he's just uh i could listen to him just play bass Mm -hmm. now i mean if we're coming home on some of the mixes of our first, of the EP, and I'd be calling Randy and say, "You're a genius! You're a genius!" <laughs> <laughs> He's just—I uh, mean, he works with other artists in the area. Okay. He's very well known. Uh, we're fortunate to, that he's contributed his time to this project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, how long then have the the four of you been together? Well, with Randy, it's about three years. Uh, okay. With Tim, Tim, it's been about a year. Uh, we were in need of a drummer at the time. The drummer who who was with us for a long time, uh, just we sort of he went his way, we went ours. Uh, as bands will do. I mean, we've gone through so course. many, yeah. you know, lots of incarnations. Sure. Yeah, yeah, for lots of reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, in any case, uh, Tim and and Gretchen and I had gotten to know each other. He was looking for people to play with, and I had been to a couple of the open mics and and stood on, and played with him on sets. Yeah, blues and, jams. Yeah. And he um he uh he was a very precise player, very good meter, etc. Mm-hmm. So uh when we were in between, he as a friend had offered to help us out. He said, look, I'll come hold it down for you until you find somebody. And he's still saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's, and also, he's so funny. He's, he's really funny. He says, look, yeah. when you guys fire me, I'm still going to come to all your shows. Yeah. <laughs> well, he he had also been living in West Virginia. He's from Delaware, but he had been living in West Virginia and playing for the Adam Parker band, who was getting some some notoriety and opening up for bigger shows at civic centers and things like that. And and he was really not interested in the grind of lots and lots and lots of shows and, you know, that, that kind of thing. So he was a little, um, you know, reluctant, I think to throw in full time, but we also don't do gobs and gobs and gobs of shows. We, we try to be selective. We try to be selective and we play what we play. We play, you know, where, you know, where we feel happy, uh, like it's Stoney's, Stoney's British pub up on 202. It's like, like coming home, you know, um, the nomad, you know, festivals, that kind of thing. But, uh, my point is we're not the band that plays every Friday and Saturday night. I just simply, um, with, with a full-time I would Bob, right. I can't sustain that. Some people can. Some some people do, but I can't. I mean, you have a band uh, like and, and we're writing and going into the studio. So, you know, you and you have to and you have show. to have that balance of between work life and band life and you know, your music life. Oh my God. We're supposed to balance it. <laughs> yeah, we're right. supposed yeah, to balance now. it. Doesn't I mean there are bands that we know that's what we've been doing that do play full time, uh lowercase with Jake and BJ. Mm-hmm. They're awesome. Um, I mean, oh, they're an incredible band. In fact, yeah. when they played last time, they went to the uh, uh, the Memphis. What what is that called? The again? International Blues the Challenge. IBC. We had been part of it as well. We went oh. there and we competed. But when they went down, had been their third or fourth trip down there. We took a little vacation and went down to support them. Oh wow! And, and you know, oh. naturally, we thought our guys. You know, we thought they, they were on fire. They were they were unbelievable. They were just, we, we've heard those guys when they were good. And then we've heard them when they were really good. They are awesome. amazing. And you know what? You know, it's a funny story about lowercase is when they were just kids starting out. They were they were teenagers and lowercase blues and a band I was in at the time without Kenny because. We were getting on each other's nerves too much or something. I, I, I'm not really sure what happened, but that band that I was in 
called the media, we and lowercase were in a battle of the bands together (laughs) and they won and we came in second. (laughs) That was our first introduction to lowercase. They're great guys. They really are. They they are are. great guys. I I have met them in person. Um, So. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So (laughs) glad you like our music. Do you you Mm -hmm. have a favorite place that you like to perform? And second part of that is, do you perform more up north or do you come down south also? Uh, you know, I'll go anywhere who where they'll let me have a mic in my hands. Uh, <laughs> having said that, I think we do tend to perform uh, more up in this area and Philly, although we have and and will uh, come downstate or, you know, to Baltimore, you know, wherever um, we've been at um, Bethany Blues. We've performed at the Rehoboth Beach Bandstand. Um uh, I feel like we had, oh, we used to go down to Smyrna, um, to the Blue Earl, um, but lately, June Jam. oh, June Jam, we've played at June Jam, so. And the Riverfront yeah. Blues Festival, we've played Well, that's there. up here. Right, um, we've played but, there four times, I but, think. Um, but as far as upstate, downstate, I think it just so happened that we started staying a little bit closer to home, mm-hmm. only because we were doing so much and trying to get the CD out. And, oh, right. And, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that what, just time management. Oh, mm-hmm. There you go. Right. That's a big thing. Yeah. What would you like to share? What events are coming up where you'll be? Oh yeah, sure. So March 1st, we will be the featured artist of the month at the um, Delaware Music Network's monthly uh, open mic, which occurs at the Queen in Wilmington. And the Delaware Music Network is truly a network. Uh, It it is a very supportive um, environment where when you come to that open mic at the Queen, you are really encouraged to network, talk with people, to uplift one another. It is it is truly this uh, very positive environment, and uh, so we've we've gone there a couple times. I haven't. <laughs> we we just had sort of the perfect storm of events where we we signed up to play and then something happened and we had to leave and couldn't play at the open mic ourselves. So anyone who comes to play gets one song Oh, okay. and the, and the featured artists, and then they, but they don't just give you one song. They give you, you get to play one song, maybe two, and then they sort of interview you. Oh, so nice. they're giving that person in, at, at the open mic an opportunity to say, who they are, what they are, where they are, where to find them, you know, all those, a little mini, mini interview. That's nice. And then they'll, it's really nice. And they'll have about three or four featured artists that month. So those artists play first and they'll, they'll play up, you know, short set, but uh, more than one or two songs, you know, let, three, let me, four, three let, or four songs. I want to so, interject here about them, uh, if I may. Sure. Th- that, What's Joe's last name? Joe Bellardo. Joe Bellardo. I can't encourage you enough to get in touch with Joe and stop and visit one of their. When we call, when we say open mic, we're all in the. There's there's sort of a a format that we get used to with open mics. Okay, okay. Um, they're doing it completely different than anybody oh. I've ever seen. And they really are promoting community music. And when you go there, you're going to hear a lot of hip hop, spoken word. Really? We even saw a comic there that was phenomenal, wow. did sound effects that just blew my mind. So it's not like you're going to a blues jam. Okay. But what you go to, what what happens is you, you will experience a part of the music community that you may not have been in touch with had you not gone there. So it's really opened my paradigm <laughs> of uh, what a quote-unquote open mic is. Um, most open mics are 
pretty predictable, okay, <laughs> and and can be a lot of fun, okay. <laughs> but this is very different, and they are really uh, because of them. We've gone to some shows at the uh, the library in uh, Wilmington. Wilmington Library. Seen some incredible art. I mean, cool. phenomenal people. Well, and as featuring female entrepreneurs, Maya Bellardo is a phenomenal singer, jazz singer, artist, and she is the daughter of Joe Bellardo, who's running this Delaware Music Network. So there's another uh, person for you uh, yeah, to interview. Yeah, and and then there's one more I'm going to mention before we get to the end. But okay. the March 1st is an open mic at the Queen yeah. that will be the featured artist. So that's in Wilmington. March 25th, uh, the band will be at Stoney's Bridge Pub up in Wilmington. That yeah. is one of our favorite. A little background on Stoney's real quick. Stoney was in the music business for 35 years. Wow. When you walk in, he was a, a promoter, not a concert promoter, a record promoter. Back in the old days when people still actually produced <laughs> albums. Right. Uh, he was the one who had to go out for the record label and produce and promote that album Noted. to the radio stations. Yep. And when you walk in his pub, there's gold, platinum records. I mean, he's wow. worked with everybody. And pictures with everyone. He's on wow. a first-name basis with Keith Richards and Mick Jagger. He, I mean, he's produced Traffic, Stevie Winwood, David Boat. Not produced, I'm sorry, uh, promoted. On and on and on. Wow. So when you go to Stoney's Pub, he, he opened up a pub here because he couldn't get good fish and chips. He's from... He's, he's, he's British. British. And he opened up his own little pub, and he uses his his mother's recipe. His fish and chips are phenomenal; they're legendary. And here's Stony, right? This guy has walked the halls of greatness for his wow. career in terms of working with major stars, right? Um, and he's out there with his apron on, waiting tables, <laughs> telling jokes. He is such a joy to be around. And not right. only that. There are two, two women who work there who are servers. They're twin sisters, oh my gosh. Emily and Rachel. And yeah. they are, they are first of all, Stoney and Emily and Rachel and the whole place are so supportive of us and our music. But also just on a, at a baseline, they are so warm, <laughs> so funny. They're funny they're fun to be around so so um, please give us a we, call we love going in we'll there. take you up to stoney's and introduce you i will not only for for all of what you just said but but because you can't get good fish and chips here in delaware <laughs> this is a fact so so we've got those um march 1st and march 21st there are some other uh gigs in the works i mean we're we're booked out through the end of September nice. right now. Nice. And if folks go to GretchenEmery.com, and Emery is E-M-E-R-Y, GretchenEmery.com, all of our dates are there. Uh, you can join our mailing list. There are links to Facebook and YouTube and Instagram. Um, and Facebook and Instagram are Gretchen Emery Band. And um, we, our music is on all those cool kids streaming sites that are necessary to be relevant in today's music industry, like Absolutely. iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, uh, Amazing Radio, various internet uh, radio. Let me add yeah. one, more, one more thing there, you know, because we're so as far as gigs go. Uh, Gretchen and I had this back and forth for years. We were so busy with our last two bands before this mm -hmm. incarnations. Okay. Mm -hmm. So to speak that we never had time to do what we are now doing. We never had a producer, but we would go in and record. And it sounded like to me, uh, a drive-by, you know, where you run in, you cut four, five, six songs, and you get the results, okay? Right. You sound like you do live. And we were sharp then because we were playing all the time. When you get in, when, when you're splitting your time like we are, and like most musicians have to, with between making a living, family issues, and, uh, you know, just trying to, to play, you have to choose. We had to anyway. Right. 
Are you going to focus on writing and recording for a while? Or are you going to keep focused on, all right, we need this festival. We need that festival. And, you know, we got to a point where we couldn't really focus on writing at all. We were too busy. Now we're focused on writing. Now, I say that because you take a, a band that's out there working every night, you're going to hear that sharpness in right. their performance. Uh, we have to ramp back up to that. I mean, we're, we're, we do all right, but um, we know that we're we- great. Don't, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is like, I'm half glass, glass half full. This is Mr. Glass half empty yeah. over here. This is why it works. Okay. Between the two of us. <laughs> It's a totally full glass. Yeah. That is it. That is it in a nutshell. You two do work together right here on, on the podcast. The two of you are just absolutely amazing. I appreciate you both being here. The two of you, if you listen, guys out there listening, if you haven't downloaded their music, please do so. Um, please stay tuned because I do have a new EP that will be released and Gretchen and Kenny will let us know when that is happening definitely go and support uh the gretchen emery band at all the events that they will be at coming up you can find them at gretchenemeryband.com again kenny gretchen thank you so much i have had the best time this morning with the both of you you. anything else you would like to tell my listeners life is short pay attention (laughs) so true do what do what um do what brings you joy yeah really you know, we we tried to stop playing music for a while. We kind of were we're About tired, days. <laughs> and we were miserable. Oh, we man. were so miserable, and and then we got back to it. And it, it's it's uh, can be work, and it can be fun. But the the fun is so worth the work, and it's who we are. We can't we can't help it. Well, I'm thank so, you. Thank I'm, you to I'm, your thank listeners. Thank you so much. Please you are, check us out. Yeah. Thank I'm, you for what you're doing. Well, thank, thank you for you. what you're doing. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. We've thank we've enjoyed it. We appreciate you and we appreciate your listeners and thank supporting you. Gretchen Emery band and watch our watch our Facebook and, and website and all those uh thank you. <laughs> thank, you. Right, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for listening to the R2RB podcast series. You can listen to the podcast on www.r2rb.com backslash podcast or on r2rb.buzzsprout.com. Are you a local musician that would like to be a guest on the R2RB podcast series? You can email us at info at r2rb.com. Have a suggestion for the next podcast interview? Send that to info at r2rb.com. Find us on Facebook at R2RB Broadcasting and on Instagram at R2RB. Until next time, keep the music playing.